Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. He is a former NFL quarterback and Super Bowl champion, now a host on VEASAN Live Primetime from 6 to 9 Eastern time, Sean King joining the show. Sean, what's going on, my man? I'm good, guys. How are y'all doing? Doing good, man. Yeah, can't complain. You know, getting over a cold, but other than that, we're we're, we're rolling. So, um, Sean, going back to Sunday, obviously Super Bowl Sunday, Chiefs come out victorious, two rings in four-year span here. Can we call Kansas City, I know Patrick Mahomes was asked about this as well, can we call them a dynasty yet? No, I don't think you can call them a dynasty yet, but, I mean, they're definitely headed in the right direction. And I think the fact that they were able to do it without Tyreek Hill bodes well for them moving forward. I mean, to lose a key component of the first two Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl win, and then be able to get back, especially out of the AFC, you know, I think that's pretty impressive. And if they were in the NFC, I would like their chances a little bit more. I just think... Because of the speed bumps that exist in the AFC, it's going to be very difficult to continually get to the Super Bowl when you have to go through Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson and, you know, Deshaun Watson that's not coming off of two years of inactivity. We talked for two weeks leading up to the big game about just how good the Eagles' defense was, especially the defensive line, and it didn't matter in the long run because the Chiefs on the other side of Patrick Mahomes – I saw somewhere, Josh Allen, I think it was on Kyle Brandt's podcast, he made a comment that, hey, we know it's a copycat league and the Chiefs have set the tone for what a team should be and how a team should build. What ripple effects do you think Kansas City winning another ring with the style that they did, particularly moving on from a top-tier wide receiver and then still finding a way to get it done with sort of a decent defense, not great, not the worst, but a decent defense. What do you think that means for how teams look and try to build for a Super Bowl run of their own here this offseason and uh, beyond? Well, let me uh, address a couple different things. Sure. Um, first off, that's why everybody that's listening should tune in to VEASAN primetime from mm, 3 to 6 Pacific it. because I said that that Eagles defense was talented but not tested. When you look at the schedule Philly played this year, they didn't go against a bunch of elite quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay came to Philly, put up 33. Dak Prescott and the Dallas offense put up, I think it was 40. Dak threw for 300 and something, almost 400 if I'm not mistaken. So those are the two best offenses they faced, and they weren't the same dominating defense that they were versus a very limited Giants offense with Daniel Jones. Uh, San Francisco offense that lost their starting quarterback. I think it was the second series of the game. So I think that 
presentation wasn't completely an honest one. Whereas when you look at Kansas City, say what you want about their defense. They played Joe Burrow twice, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert twice, Trevor Lawrence twice. Like they had went up against some elite units. And I think that's what happened to Philly in the Super Bowl. All of a sudden, you know what? This quarterback is better than anything that we've gone up against. This this pass protection scheme is rock solid. There aren't a lot of weaknesses in it. When we do get you know, pressure. Mahomes is great functional mobility moving around. He knows how to extend plays. You know, Travis Kelsey, elite pass catcher. Like, so that's what happened to, to Philly. Uh, having said that, you can't mimic what Kansas City's doing because you can't evaluate your way into Patrick Mahomes. Hmm. Like, that's the most complete quarterback that we've ever seen in this league. Not the most accomplished, not the best yet, but the most complete has all the measurables, has the arm talent, has the athleticism, has the mental toughness, has the football IQ, and has the humility attached to his personality where people will follow and flock to him. We haven't seen that packaging, and you probably won't see that packaging you know, for the next decade or two. Sean, let me ask you about uh, Jalen Hurts. And, and a lot of people you know, were critical of him earlier in the year. He had a great season. Had a great Super Bowl. Could have been the MVP of the game, uh, although they didn't win. Uh, what do you think about Jalen going forward? Uh, extremely, extremely bright young quarterback. You know, the thing that Jalen does that I think caught people off guard is he knows how to manage his deficiencies and still play to his strengths. And if Deshaun Watson is listening to this, he has to get better at that. You know, Jalen understands that he has a unique skill set. He uses that skill set to help the Eagles win games and slowly improves upon the things that maybe he's not a lead at, throwing timing routes in the middle of the field, getting to his third and fourth read from in the pocket. Whereas I feel like Deshaun's always out to prove to everybody that he's a traditional pocket passer like, you know, Jim Kelly, you know, and uh, some of these guys back in the day and doesn't utilize what gift he has that's elite which is his athleticism and he has to get back to more of that and I like the fact that Jalen did not give in to outside noise he stayed true to himself he understood if we win everything will work out and take your hat off to that young man because as you mentioned coming into the season a lot of whispers if Jalen doesn't get off to a fast start should the Eagles go to Gardner Minshew a lot of people is Jalen the quarterback of the future for the Eagles now, fast forward to the end of the season, and he very well could be the highest-paid player in the league. Talking with former NFL quarterback Sean King on the hotline. Follow him on Twitter, at RealSeanKing. Uh, you mentioned Deshaun. There seems to be just varying opinions on whether or not he can get back to the quarterback he was. On Monday, you ask one person, they say, no, he's never. He's, he's a shell of himself, he'll never get back to it. On Tuesday, you ask a different person, and they say, oh, I think it's still in there. Where do you stand in that conversation, Sean? Do you think Deshaun, just what we saw in the six games, was kind of getting his feet back underneath him after 700-plus days off? And do you think that he can get back to the guy he was in 2020? Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely can. He's still a, a relatively young player. He's not old. I mean, Brady you know, won a championship at, what, 43? Uh, at <laughs> 44, he threw for 5,000 yards, I think, and – 45, he finally starting to look old. So, I mean, Deshaun's over a decade away from those numbers. I just think Deshaun has to 
get back to being just this organic talent and stop trying to prove to everybody that he's this system quarterback that operates from the pocket. When I look at the stat sheet, he should always be effective as a runner and a passer. And maybe some of that is scheme. Uh, I think you saw Brian Dable's absence in Buffalo really hurt Josh Allen. They tried to turn Josh Allen into this pocket quarterback where Brian Dayball – big part of what he did was QB run stuff, which is what he did with Daniel Jones. Like, don't be afraid to use those gifts if you have them because it really makes it difficult for defenses to defend you. Sean, where do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to play next year? <laughs> well, has he come out of the darkness yet? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 think I, mean, he, I don't even know if he started yet. I kind of wish I was joining him, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm waiting for him to announce that he's retiring and going to be the best cricket player, you know, in a different part of the world. Like, <laughs> who knows what Aaron has going? I say this about Aaron Rodgers, and listen, you know, he's earned the right to, to kind of, you know, live whatever life he wants. You know, my critique and criticism is he has to play better when it matters. I mean, guys, we can't just give him a pass, right? If they beat the Lions, they're in the playoffs. It was in Green Bay. Who played back? Aaron Rodgers. The year before, San Francisco 49ers come to Green Bay in the playoffs. What Green Bay scored? Seven? Who played back? Aaron Rodgers. The year before that, Tampa comes to Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. Who played back? Aaron Rodgers. Like, so I think even though Aaron had won the regular season MVP in two of those three years I was just talking about when it really mattered, when the stage was the biggest, the lights were the brightest, Aaron didn't perform. So Aaron's got to get back to being the guy that, okay, is not just talented, but the one that shows up and that talent manifests itself in production when it really matters. So what are the Vegas odds on where he lands? Uh, right now, uh, he's minus 310 to be a Las Vegas Raider. Uh, I don't see mm. that working. I don't think Aaron and Josh McDaniels will work. You know, Josh is a kind of my way or the highway. Uh, I, this scheme works. Do it this way. It's kind of why he had issues with Derek Carr. I think the last thing that Aaron wants to do is go somewhere under those kind of stringent, you know, confines. But, I mean, we'll see. I don't ultimately think he ends up in Las Vegas, but we'll see. Speaking of quarterbacks who could be on the move, Sean, uh, Lamar Jackson, there's lots of different rumors kind of swirling about his future, different things from out of the locker room, guys maybe being a little miffed that he he didn't come back and play injured for the playoffs. It seems like there's some tension between him and the front office because they haven't gotten a contract extension done. Do you think ultimately he's just back with Baltimore in the franchise tag, or is he another guy who could be playing elsewhere next year? So this is what's interesting about this uh, franchise tag is he doesn't have to sign it. Yeah. So they can't find him for not showing up. So this is going to be point. fascinating because if if they're as far apart as the media reports say on a long-term deal, and who knows how accurate that is, but obviously looks like Lamar drew the line in the sand at some point last quarter of the season and said, I'm out. If they franchise him and Lamar doesn't budge, is he willing to sit out? I mean, it looks like it, right? He was willing to not get on the plane and go to Cincy. So it looks like he's drawing a line in the sand and said, hey, um, this is what Deshaun got, Watson got. I don't care that the other owners are mad at the Haslam family for signing him to it. He set the market. Uh, I'm more accomplished than Deshaun Watson. Not saying he's necessarily better, but he's played in the last two years, so he's more accomplished. And I want – that's the baseline of the deal I'm looking for. And – It'll be fascinating to watch this play out. I mean, if he's really willing to sit, the Ravens really don't have any leverage here. 
few more minutes here with Sean King, former NFL quarterback, also the host of VSIN Live Primetime. Uh, you had some great commentary during this interview, Sean, just about Deshaun and who he needs to play like and almost modeling his game after Jalen Hurts, uh, who went on this great Super Bowl run. So if that happens, if Deshaun plays at that level, he, he has this great season, he's used in the run a lot, and the Browns are rolling, what is it going to take? I, I shouldn't say, I, I guess I'm looking too far ahead with the Browns are rolling part of it, but what's it going to take around him to get this team into position where the Eagles and the Chiefs were this past weekend playing for a Super Bowl? I don't think it takes a lot. I mean, you already got Nick Chubb. You have Amari Cooper. I mean, uh, you have one of the better offensive lines, and you did have to stay healthy. I mean, they got injured last year, so it wasn't playing with a full deck. You'd like to see uh, Miles Garrett and that defense play a little better. I thought they were a little disappointing, you know, this past season. But, I mean, it's not like the the, the cupboard is barren there in, in Cleveland. Of course, you want to always upgrade. And I think if you learn anything from Philly's run, I think it's that you can never be complacent. Because they were a playoff team last year, lost to Tampa in the playoffs, yet they still went out on draft day and traded for A.J. Brown. In free agency, they still went out and brought in James Bradbury and Hassan Reddick. In the middle of the season, they were struggling to defend the run. They went out and signed Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue. So they never got complacent. They never stayed stagnant. They were always aware of where we can improve, where we can get better, and they continually, you know, hammered that nail, and it got them a Super Bowl berth. Now, they ran into one of the greatest, you know, talents that we've seen, uh, and, and Patrick Mahomes played like it in the second half, I think only one incompletion, and, and, and Kansas City got the win, but hats off to Howie Roseman for building that roster. So Cleveland's got to take the same approach, you know, make sure they're continuing to upgrade their roster, you know, continue to try and get that roster management in the same conversation as what's in San Francisco and Philly teams that we look across the board and they have legitimate frontline, you know, pro bowl caliber players in a lot of positions. He's a former NFL quarterback and Super Bowl champion host of the VSIN live primetime. You can catch it tonight, six to nine Eastern time. Sean King, appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks guys. Go Browns. Listen, if Deshaun Watson can be Jalen hurts, I think Browns fans would absolutely sign up for that. Even though at the start of the season, to the point of the question you asked, people kind of had questions about what Jalen Hurts could be and how good he could be and what your team's ceiling was with him. But now we saw it. I mean, we saw it play out in real time this whole season, taking that team all the way to the Super Bowl. Like, And, he, and it wasn't like he got into the Super Bowl and got boat raced. Like, his offense was going score for score with Mahomes at the end. Yep. Like, if that's what Deshaun Watson needs to be, sign me up for it. Uh, I would say that if you ask people before the season began, if he'd be Jalen Hurts, people would be like, no, that's not good enough. Yeah, yeah. But Jalen Hurts is now taking his game to the next level. And he looks like a legitimate like MVP type of player, right? And Deshaun looked very average for the six games that he played for the Browns this year. I don't, honestly, I have no idea where Deshaun can go. Um, Nick and I argue about this all the time. He, he wants to kind of defend him a little bit more than I do about the the time off and all this stuff. I, I just, I'm, I'm very concerned about it. Because I, I didn't really see much of anything outside of a couple plays or a quarter where it was like above average with Deshaun Watson, and you're paying this guy $230 million. Yeah. You're there, paying him to play like Patrick Mahomes. There were flashes. There was definitely flashes where you were like, oh, that's the Deshaun Watson that you paid for. The thing that I keep going back to, and maybe I I can be the uh, the heel Nick on this one in, in this conversation, Dustin, but I maybe the I don't know if this is the best example, but the example I go back to is... Michael Vick, right? He goes to prison, 
has no capability of training, you know, as a football player would need to train to get himself in football shape and all this. He's in prison for what? I think he was in jail for two years. Yeah. And then he comes back and he plays football and he actually had one of his best passing seasons after he was in prison. So to me, it's like, how does, how can that guy find something again in his game but Deshaun Watson can't. That's the thing I keep going back to of why I think Deshaun's going to be okay. Maybe not 2020 Deshaun okay, but I think he's going to be okay to an extent mm-hmm. where you'll get maybe not exactly what you pay, paid for, but if you're winning games and you make a Super Bowl run and you make a playoff run, then I think fans will be satisfied with the contract anyway. Like I, That's what you're kind of – the expectation for the contract is. Are you going and play, winning the playoffs and winning Super Bowls or competing for Super Bowls? And if they get there, I think you feel validated in that. Um, but, yeah, I – if this is what they have to do to be a Super Bowl winning team, fans I think would 100% sign up for it. And it, it is interesting because, like you said, people had a different viewpoint of Jalen Hurts uh, 19, 20 weeks ago. I guess more than that now, 23, 24 weeks ago than they do now. But, yeah, I I, I think that's a, a an interesting blueprint that Sean puts out there for him to aspire to be like. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, the number one thing Deshaun needs to do, and I feel like a lot of the really good quarterbacks nowadays can do this, is like, I mean, he's one of the, like, freak athletes in the NFL. Deshaun Watson is. Use those legs. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you got to run it, you know, 15 times a game, but, I mean, Jalen Hurts had 70 yards rushing in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why Deshaun Watson can't do the same thing. We keep hearing that Kevin Stefanski is going to sit down with Jalen or Jalen Hurts with the with Deshaun Watson this offseason and talk through the playbook, map out the things that he wants to do. You hear Sean mention that Deshaun seems like he wants to prove to everybody that he's a pocket passer. I wonder his willingness to do more of that running style stuff, the RPO type stuff, if it's not something that maybe was he would have had on his menu prior to coming here. I, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a team effort. And and I know people have tried to say it's an overhaul and then they've kind of backtracked a little bit. I know Daryl mentioned this and he kind of said like, I can't say it's an overhaul. It's more so just like a meeting of the minds to figure out what he's going to be good at, what he's going to do well. But if you're looking, I hope I hope Kevin Stefanski watches that Eagles, that, that Super Bowl, sees what the Eagles did, watches the, the tape on the Eagles all season and says like, you know what? That's how we should be using Deshaun. I hope I hope to God he does. Because if that's the the ceiling for this team, if 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 they embrace that that attitude and that mentality and and that style of offense, then yeah, anybody would want that. Let's hope. I mean, I I want to see this offense next year. I mean, they frankly to to win in the NFL anymore, you almost have to be scoring 28, 30 points a game, right? Yeah. I mean, looking back, I mean. Just, I know the Texans game, they had a couple of defensive touchdowns, right? I mean, like 10 points, 13 points, 17 points, 24 points, 14 points. I mean, it's like you got to score 30 at some point and consistently. And it's funny, too, because they were near the top they, of the league in scoring with, with Kobe Brissett. Yep. And then it all went downhill. 216-578-0092. Can Deshaun Watson be the Browns version of Jalen Hurts? Can he... Play that style of offense, and would you be open to that? Uh, again, I, part of the conversation that I think is interesting, like I said, is just how the arc of Jalen Hurts has changed this entire season. I mean, he he definitely proved some people wrong. I, I wonder, you know what else is interesting about the Eagles, too, is that their head coach doesn't call the plays. 
if we're That's if we're true. talking about emulating yourself after the the Eagles and having a quarterback in that 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 design. Well, and what are they going to be next year? They've got to find a new OC. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason why I think people are down on the Eagles for next year. Because I mean, look, look what happened with the Bills, right? They lost their OC, and Josh Allen wasn't the same player. Is Jalen Hurts going to be the same player? You really have to have a mind who's willing to embrace the skill sets. I have faith that Stefanski's going to be that. He always talks about being like, "Yeah, I'm an open book. I'm willing to try anything if it means winning." And and it's hard to know if those are just the cliches that you get from. Him as a very team-friendly PR sort of messaging that he always puts out there. He says the same things over and over again. We know that. Um, or if he's being sincere. But I hope to God that if we're talking about trying to mimic the game of Jalen Hurts and have Deshaun Watson be in that style of offense, I hope that Kevin Stefanski is open to adapting his playbook enough to be like, yeah, we are going to do more of this. We are going to do more RPO-style stuff. We are going to get him rolling out and doing things and, and make him a threat in that way that then makes the defense have to think about something else other than just him standing in the pocket. Because that is all really we did see last year. It was drop back, try to throw from the pocket. There was a little bit of that stuff worked in, but you could tell it was not part of the menu very often that they were using him as a runner. And I think, to Sean's point, you're doing the offense and the team a disservice if you're not utilizing all the skills that Deshaun Watson brings to the table. Yeah, and listen, they'll have more time to to work on that throughout this offseason and throughout training camp to really figure out like what they want to do. It was kind of a weird year, so I'll give them a little bit of a pass on it, but still, there's no passes after this season. And if the Browns do not get to the playoffs with Deshaun Watson this year, we're going to be having serious questions about Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, and we're probably going to be looking for a new head coach. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I think if they... Missed the playoffs. Obviously, he's gone. There's, there's, I think, a case to be made that if they make the playoffs, but they're like one and done, that there could be some changes. Um, it is it is make it or break it time for this team, which is why I think Kevin Stefanski has put on that good soldier face and uh, mantra throughout his, you know, his um, escapades around Cleveland radio talking about, I am willing to do anything if it means that we'll win. And... Um, I, I think because he continues to say that, that he means it, but I, I, I hope he means it because that was certainly not the offense that we saw at the end of the season last year. And he's going to have to be willing to adapt and do again, anything to win. If he, if he means that, then I think that this, there, there's a good chance he turns it around and this offense looks a lot better next year under him. And to Sean's point too, like he talked about Jalen being able to kind of just manage the things he's deficient at and, use his strengths as a, as a real weapon. And if you build the offense the right way, I think that kind of naturally will just take care of itself. Like you'll be using Deshaun as a runner. And then when you do get him in the pocket, he's going to be able to do the things that he does well, because he's not, he, he's going to have some of that pressure taken off him. Cause you know, you're going to have to spy him. Like there's, yep. there's just things that are going to happen naturally. If you build the offense the right way that will allow Deshaun to tap into the things he does well. No, I, I agree with that hundred percent. And I do think Deshaun's going to bounce back this year. I think he's going to have a much better season than he did a season ago with a full off season and and really just you know having a you know eight months to prepare for the 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 deal, right? I mean, so that's why I'm just a little, I'm just hesitant though because what I saw this season was not good enough, and I'm just scared. And we we had um, Jason Lock and Four on the show, and again he had a bit of a hot take. He was like. Well, I think Deshaun's just never going to be the same player because yeah, he's got I remember all, that. Got all yeah. this stuff going on, the baggage, and 
you know, the weight on of the world on his shoulders. I don't know that he'll ever be able to, to recover. And I'm like, I don't know if he, that's the case, but boy, he, I mean, he's like, I think he'll be out of the league in 18 months. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I hope not. I honestly if that thought happens, then this is a, an all time colossal disaster. I heard that take and I kind of felt like it was the low hanging fruit. Like, I feel like the easy take to have right now about Deshaun is that, oh, he's just never going to be the same. Yeah. I do wonder, like, is six games, we, we keep just assuming that he's going to go through the offseason, start next season, and be good. Is the six games enough for him to truly feel like he kind of shook off the rust? Or is there going to be more of that at the start of next year? Because the Browns have no time to waste, right? Like, they got to get it figured out. Ryan Rucco of ESPN, he was on the call last night of Cavaliers 76ers. He'll be on the call tonight with Louisville against Notre Dame and the women's hoops on ESPN. Ryan, appreciate you jumping in, man, with us t- and taking some time. You got it. Happy to join you guys. Uh, first off, I'm, I'm curious what was going through your head in crunch time of that game last night as the Cavs Mobley misses that, that bunny shot and then it takes 10 seconds for the Cavs to make a decision on whether or not they're going to foul, trap, whatever. What was kind of going through your head as you're watching this all unfold in front of you? Well, first of all, like obviously Mobley got a great look there and he had had a really big second half um, and, you know, would have made it a one-possession game. And, and so you're thinking, like, oh, missed opportunity for some drama. But I just I, I just thought they absolutely should not have fouled. And, uh, and, and you know, Jeff and Gundy agreed. And, and I don't think, and I didn't see what JB said after the game, but to me it was very clear JB was just trying to get the team to trap, not foul, and was, you know, doing the motion with his hands that, you know, kind of universally means trap. Um, but early on in the possession, it looked like Jared Allen was trying to foul from jump. And, uh, and I just didn't understand it. You know, Philadelphia is an outstanding free throw shooting team. The second in the league, only Miami's better. Um, and I, you know, first of all, you let 15 seconds of the shot clock go before you fouled. And when you did foul, there was 40 seconds left. You're down four. You get a stop there. And, you know, you got, even if they wasted every second of the shot clock, you got 30 seconds with the ball down four and timeouts. I mean, that's plenty of time to make something happen. So I just thought that was the kind of late game mistake that, you know, a team that still has, you know, very young core probably learns from and helps them execute better uh, down the stretch of a, a close game with higher stakes. How much, because a lot was made last night, the, the Cavs are coming in hot, they're on the seven-game win streak, um, and people here locally were riding high, feeling like, all right, they've, they've kind of turned that corner, they figured things out, and then you run into a team that is considered one of the elites of the, the conference in the 76ers that you're sort of measuring yourself against, and you fall short. Now, I understand, like, playoff time, these things are different. It's, it's they're scheming for you. It's, it's each and every single night. It's, it's laser focused rather than sort of just this blanket game plan that you're sort of trotting out throughout the regular season. But how much weight should fans, should people like us hosting a radio show, like how much should we put into a game like that, a regular season game in February where we want to kind of use it as a measuring stick, but it's hard to really know until they get in that playoff atmosphere against a team like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I think you also have to keep in mind that the Cavs were without two, you know, key rotation players, right, uh, in, in Ricky Rubio and Jetty Osmond. So it's not, you know, completely apples to apples comp. Plus, you know, Danny Green, where he may get to, you know, once he's played a while, once he has some conditioning. But I do think that, you know, the interesting thing about playoff 
basketball, and you mentioned the word matchups, is it yields answers for what's missing in order to get over the top. And throughout the course of the regular season, a lot of times you can mask flaws or overcome them, and then you face a matchup where they become clear. And when you project ahead, you realize, oh, that's going to be an issue come the playoffs. Um, and I think what we saw last night is something that's going to be an issue for the Cavs come the playoffs, and that is the lack of three-point shooting ability from their forwards. You know, yes, they have incredibly talented offensive guards in Mitchell and Garland, but when the defense collapses on them and they're going to spray the ball, you know, to the wing or to the corner, they're going to need their forwards hit threes. And that's not something that's going to happen with any regularity yet from Evan Mobley. Obviously, Jared Allen isn't going to be out there as the, as the five. Um, and then, you know, you feel Jetty Osmond shoots them with volume, something Jeff talked about last night. So that's the guy who might be hot and cold. He's the guy who really plays a huge role there. Because Okoro, for as well as he shot it over the last, you know, 25 games, he does not shoot a lot of them, and that's a problem. Um, so for me, the, 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 if there's going to be a fatal flaw from the Cavs when you talk about matching up with those top three teams in the East, it's going to be that they don't get enough shooting from the forward position, and I am not sure that that problem has been addressed yet with this roster. Now, when you're building a potential championship contender, usually you go through waves of, figuring out, okay, we have this, we have this. What is it we don't have? Now how do we get it? You know, And I have a feeling that at the end of the playoffs, we will be saying, okay, it's very clear what this Cavs team's missing. It is they need to have forwards who can hit the three with more regularity, more volume than they do right now to surround Mitchell and Garland with. How do they make that happen? So I do actually think that last night's game probably gave us some insight into – what will be their eventual undoing in the playoffs. You know, Ryan, with that being said, are you surprised now to hear that the Cavaliers are are most likely going to buy out Kevin Love? I mean, I'm not saying Kevin Love can give him a ton of minutes, but he is a forward that can shoot. Yeah, that's a great point because he is the guy who's capable of doing that. But, you know, I'm not surprised just in the sense of he was given a really, really, really long leash this season, right, to produce. And the production just never came along. Um, And so, you know, you could go back to it and say, hey, let's give it one more try. Let's get him back in the rotation and see what's going on. But, you know, they have been getting results lately, obviously, with the seven-game winning streak, uh, you know, which he was not a part of the rotation. And I also think it's not like he went through a little cold spell and they sort of acted impulsively. I think, if anything – they, hang, they hung on longer to the idea of Kevin staying in the rotation because of how much he means to the franchise and has meant to the franchise. So while he can shoot, I'm not sure that is where the answer is going to be for this group this season. Um, but you're right in the sense of, like, since that answer isn't going to come externally at this point, unless there's someone unforeseen in the buyout market coming their way, um, yeah, I could see where you'd say, like, hey, might as well maybe give it one more chance because otherwise this will be your eventual undoing. 
Talk with Ryan Ruka on the hotline. A few more minutes with him here on Afternoon Drive. Uh, another kind of quirky thing from the game last night. What was the deal with – what did you sort of find out from, from Jared Allen about the defensive three-second celebration after it was called on him? Um, I, I think some people were a little perplexed as to why he was celebrating getting called for that and obviously would turns into a turnover. Yeah, I guess basically he <laughs> – He's tried to uh, put a real emphasis on protecting the paint. And, um, and I think, you know, I, I talked to him at halftime and he just said, uh, he just said, you know, I, I, I'm just, the game, defensive game plan is to protect the paint. So I'm just being overzealous about it. Um, but I, we did a little digging after the game then. And I guess he said, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff for two years has been like, hey, stand in the paint, stand in the paint. They're not going to call it uh, and start celebrating. And he said, celebrate and look at the bench and blame it on them. So meaning if he gets called for it, because he's basically been coached just to stay in the paint, <laughs> look at the bench and say, hey, this is what you wanted me to do. So I think that's what was behind Jared Allen. And he just he just really got into the role, I'd say. He took it to the next level. Yeah, that, well, now the cat's out of the bag, so uh, they're just going to keep calling it on Cleveland, I feel like, now that now that everybody knows the secret that he was just told to stand in the paint. Um, where do you think, Ryan, the Cavs stack up in the Eastern Conference? Like, is there anybody below them? Is, is four sort of where they fit? Can they actually top any of these teams ahead of them? And is there anybody below them that would give you some pause or concern for Cleveland in the postseason? No, I, I mean, I think that I will be stunned if any of the top three teams in the East being Boston, Milwaukee, and uh, Philadelphia, I'll be stunned if they lose in the first round. Um, I, don't, I think Cleveland is, a, is definitely a second-round team. I wouldn't be as stunned if they lost in the first round, but I still think they should be the overwhelming favorites to win a 4-5 series, no matter who it's against, whether it's you know, Brooklyn, Miami, the Knicks, you know, I think Cleveland would be the favorites. And look, when you have guys who can score, the way that Mitchell and Garland can score in those tight games late, you can never write that team off completely. You combine that with a team that plays really committed, incredibly athletic, versatile defense, and, you know, they're a team that can get a stop and a score in a big moment. There's no doubt. But where I think they're going to run into trouble when teams are game planning for them is exactly what you saw, saw last night. You know, you're going to have a bunch of wide-open looks from Okoro, from Mobley. Um, you know, Osman will have to be the answer from three in those situations. And, you know, it also may mean more time with Mobley and Allen not on the floor together uh, as a way to try and answer. So, I, I, you know, what we've seen in the playoffs is teams are always one injury away from things changing. So at full strength, do I think Cleveland's quite ready to get over Philadelphia, Boston, or Milwaukee? I, I don't. But are they close enough that if those teams have one injury, they could? Absolutely. Um, and I think that, you know, that's a significant step. I think if you're Cleveland right now, if you're a Cavs fan, you should be looking at this season and saying, like, I want to see my team in the second round, and I want to see them – play an incredibly competitive six or seven game series against Boston, Milwaukee, or Philly, whoever they'd end up playing. And if anything else happens beyond that, 
that's gravy, but that should be, I think, kind of the goal and expectation that you then use as a further building block. Because the thing to remember is, you guys know this better than me, but it's such a young core. It really is. And it takes some, you know, callousing from playoff experiences to continue to grow. No different than that mistake with fouling last night helps you grow in that situation moving forward. So I think, you know, it's hard because you can see the potential and you want the biggest league to happen right now. I think if we're being fair and we take the 30,000-foot view, they're not quite in the class of Boston and Milwaukee. And, you know, Philadelphia is just a hair below those two, and then Cleveland's just a hair below them. He's Ryan Rucco, play-by-play man for ESPN. He was on the call of Cavs 76ers last night. Right back at it tonight, calling Louisville at number 10, Notre Dame on the women's basketball side of things. And if you want to get your Ryan Rucco or your college your women's college hoops fix, you can find them on ESPN. Ryan, appreciate the time, my man. Thanks so much for stopping by and giving us a little bit of a few minutes. You got it, guys. Be well. Thanks, Ryan. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.